right, Children's Church, you're dismissed. All right. It is a little chilly, isn't it? If I say it's a little chilly, I know it's a little chilly because I enjoy the cold. All right, you can turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 and chapter 7 is where we'll be taking our text from this morning. We're going to jump back into our studies of Christ as seen in the Old Testament. And uh, let's pray and uh, ask the Lord's blessing on this time. Father, once again, we come before you acknowledging that you are the great I am, that there is none like you. Father, we pray this morning that by your spirit you would take this word which is alive and sharp and active. And God, that you would take it and that you would use it to transform our lives. God, that we would have a greater and clearer picture of who you are. We pray, Father, this morning that uh, all the cares of this world would fade in the comparison of the glory that is expressed through the scriptures. We pray, Father, that hearts would be humble before you. And God, that we would be ready to hear and not only hear what your word says, but to do what your word says. We thank you for the day and the hour that we live in, Lord, and that you have placed us here specifically, strategically, for this time. And so, God, we pray that you would receive glory. The lives are changed for your namesake, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be in several scriptures in particular, so you just have to jump around with me a little bit. But we want to continue, as I said, our studies concerning pictures and types of Christ as seen in the Old Testament. And thus far, we have seen Christ our offering. We saw how that Christ was the one who, you know, offered himself for us and saw that in, in Abraham and Isaac. And then we saw Christ, our refuge in the cities of refuge. And this morning, we want to see Christ, our ark, and talking about Noah's ark. Now, I think I need to warn us as God's people that um, we need to really be careful where we get our insight into matters of Christian faith. And, and by that, I mean, uh, let me just give an example. Back in 2014, Russell Crowe starred in a movie called Noah, right? Now, some of you probably remember that. It allegedly depicted the biblical account of Noah, the ark, and the flood. That's what it said it was going to do. I believe that the only thing that they got right in the movie was that there was somebody named Noah, there was an ark, and there was a flood. And that's, that's about all they got right. Now the problem is, is that many of God's people will gather what they believe off of things like that rather than doing diligence to study the Word of God. And, and so I don't hurt anybody's feelings or I hurt everybody's feelings equally. Touched by an angel in many of the shows that that, uh, I forgot what her name is, that uh, her and her husband have come out with, uh, are far from biblical truth. As a matter of fact, she is into mysticism. So don't think that when you're watching some of those shows that you're getting the truth of the Word of God. 
Go to the Word of God rather than Hollywood for your Christian faith. Now, we must not let an unbelieving world shape our understanding of what God's Word says, right? So when we see this historical account, and I say it's a historical account, this is not just some story. It is what happened. It's it's truth. It, It really did happen. Uh, As a matter of fact, we could see that it is overwhelming with the evidence that there has been a flood, and I'll talk more about that as we go along. But when we see this historical account in Genesis 6 and 7, we see, and here are your points, we see a message of coming judgment. A message of coming judgment. We see God's plan and provision for salvation. And then finally, we see God's call to enter into the ark. So we have a message of coming judgment, we have God's plan and provision for salvation, and then we have God's call to enter into the ark. And if you would, look at chapter 6 and verse 13 with me, and that is where we're going to gain the majority of the first point that we have, and that being that it is a message, or there is a message of coming judgment. Verse 13 says this, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That's a profound statement from God, who comes to Noah and says, I am going to judge this world, and I am going to destroy this world because of the wickedness that is going on in the world. But the first thing that I would like us to see concerning the message of coming judgment is the message demonstrates God's mercy and grace. And you say, well, I don't see how that is. Can I just say this morning that the Lord was and is under no obligation to answer to his creation? You know, sometimes I think that we think that the Lord needs to give us a reason for what he does. God does not need to give us a reason for anything that he does. He is the creator. We are the creation. And the creation does not speak to the creator saying how things should be done. And you say, well, how does that play into it? It's simple. God, in his infinite mercy, he did not have to come and tell Noah that he was fixing to wipe the earth out. He simply could have done it immediately and brought judgment and have destroyed all of mankind without warning. You see, mercy is this. We understand it. Let's go over it again, though. Mercy is this. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. And grace is receiving what we don't deserve. You see, we all deserve judgment. But God in his mercy says, I will spare you in my mercy. And in his grace, he demonstrates that in giving us what we don't deserve. And I'm going to tell you, as as we mature in the faith, that should become more and more evident in our lives. It should become something that is predominant when we think about God's mercy and grace. Just this morning when I was praying and saying, Father, I understand I am so selfish. I am so self-seeking. Forgive me for my doubting heart. Forgive me 
when I doubt you, forgive me when I don't give you my best, which, by the way, is on a regular basis. You see, he demonstrates his mercy in that. It is a message of mercy and grace, even though he says that he is coming to destroy the earth with a flood. Noah was the messenger there. And it says that Noah was a messenger of righteousness, according to 2 Peter 2.5. We do not know how long Noah preached, but we do know that he did preach. Now, we know this in, in, in connection with it, that the Bible says that God told Noah and speaking, he says, I'm not going to always contend with man. He says, therefore, I'm going to limit it to 120 days. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that man was going to live 100, 120 days, 120 years. It doesn't mean that man was going to live 120 years. In other words, his lifespan would be 120 years. It means that God was given a specific time that he was giving men to repent. He says, for the next 120 years, I'm giving them time to repent. But at the end of that time, I'm going to stop contending with them, and I am going to destroy this earth because of their wickedness. And again, we don't know what Noah preached. We don't know how long he preached. But we do know that the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. So what righteousness was he preaching? He was preaching God's righteousness. Not his own, but God's righteousness. Not only that, he was not preaching only with his words, but folks, he was preaching with his life because the whole time he is working and building an ark. Now, sometimes I don't think we get how bizarre that must have been, right? Because there wasn't huge uh, areas of water, expanses of water, right? It had not rained. There was no flooding. There was nothing going on. And so when Noah is preaching and saying, hey, fellas, listen, listen to me, please. There is coming a time, there is coming a time soon that God is going to cover this earth in a flood. Hey, folks, if you're understand, you don't know what that means, let me tell you. He said, it's going to cover the entire world with water and everything on this earth will be drowned, destroyed in God's judgment. And we know that the people really didn't listen, right? Because we know what the story tells us. But you can imagine as he would work and he would preach and he would work and he would preach and he would preach and he would work and the people say, look at that fool. But it was evident that he believed what he was preaching because he was working towards what God had told him. Amen. Now, can I just say something? That some of God's people need to put feet to their faith. It's not simply enough to agree with what God says. We must do what God says. Noah preached. He obeyed. He built the ark as God had commanded him to do. What was the means of judgment that God was bringing about as we look in verse 13? Well, according to the Lord, he says that it was going to be a flood. And to be sure that it happened, just as the Lord said it would, it did. And the evidence of that is undeniable. Listen, if, if we don't, if scientists will tell you that this earth was covered, right? 
I mean, you can go out to the Grand Canyon unless they have removed the plaque that is out there. You can go to the Grand Canyon today, and there is a plaque that says that the local uh, indigenous people, the American Indians in that area, believe that the Great Spirit sent a great flood upon the earth in order to destroy the wickedness on the earth, and that the Grand Canyon was there as a result of the waters receding. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I remember one time I was, uh, uh, when I was living in Wyoming, and we had this place called Red Butte. Now, we were at about 5,000 feet, I think, the town we lived in, and we drove on up to Red Butte, and it was a little bit higher, so maybe 5,500 feet above sea level. And if you go up on the top of Red Butte, you can find little shark's teeth, right? And I remember there was, I was at the, the DMV. The DMV there is not near as bad as the DMV here. Uh, I can tell you that when you have only 7,000 people in the entire county, then it's not that hard to walk in and get your license renewed. However, even with the two of us in there that day that happened to be there, it still took a while. It just must be a written rule about the DMV. But it gave me an opportunity to witness because there was a, a fellow in there, and he was talking and saying, he says, you know, he says, there's shark's teeth up on top of Red Beauty. He says, I just can't figure out how those shark's teeth got up there. And I said, well, can I tell you? I said, the Bible says that there was a worldwide flood and that the entire earth was covered with water. And he looked at me like a calf looking at a gate for the first time, and he says, I wish somebody could tell me how those shark's teeth get up there. Now, my point being is that the evidence is overwhelming. We've been in, we've been in uh, the Far East. We've been in Central Asia. We've been, we've been in a lot of different cultures, and every culture that I have been in, there is a story of a worldwide flood. You know why that is? Because it happened. Now, why I say that is because God's judgment when he says this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And it happened that way. 120 years, he, he says, no longer will I contend with man. And he brought judgment. But I want you to see this as well, that there is a continued pattern that we have in the scriptures. As God made it clear that he is judging the ancient world, he is again reminding the world that there is another judgment that is coming, not by flood, but by fire. As a matter of fact, if you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, take a right-hand turn and go almost all the way to the end of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3. have a little lengthy piece of scripture that I want to read, but I, I think it's important because we see how it ties together with the rest of the scripture that we're speaking of this morning. Chapter 3 and verses 3 through 12 speaks this, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, in other words, those who don't believe, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Speaking about the Lord Jesus' return. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. By the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then being overflowed with water perished. What are we talking about? We're talking about the flood. Right? 
But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is as the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And I don't have the time to unpack that, but the Bible study that we have knows. The Lord is not slack in his concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that they all should come to repentance. Amen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away of the great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Conversation there meaning lifestyle. Looking for, the, looking for and hasting unto the coming of that day, the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And you say, well, pastor, what, what are you trying to get across here? You see, God said that there was coming a day when he told Noah that I'm going to destroy this earth, I am going to judge this earth and destroy it for the wickedness of mankind. And now he tells Peter in the same way, I am going to destroy this earth because of its wickedness with fire. And folks, just as there is an absolute, universal, undeniable truth that God brought judgment on this earth through a flood, even though people scoff at the idea he is going to bring judgment on this earth again. Not with a flood, but with a fire. All this information concerning God's judgment is necessary for us to see the ark, which is God's provision for salvation. So that first verse just lays the foundation for where we're at and where we want to see Christ at this morning. Second point that we have is God's plan and provision for salvation. Go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Verse 15, I'm just going to read a few verses here to kind of get the context. And this is the fashion which shall, thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make of the, to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the ark, and the door of the ark, thou shalt set in the side thereof, with the lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is on the earth shall die. Now he just repeats himself. The plan and provision for salvation is God's plan and provision. Now let me just say a little bit of significance that I think we need to pick up on when we read this text is God's plan for salvation is the only one that works. You see, We'll read this and say, well, God gives very specific details about the building of the ark. Well, folks, we need to understand that there had never been anything built like this. 
And, and we could go into the dimensions of that and how that really the, the fundamentals of building a ship are still basically the same as God's design for building an ark, but we won't go into that this morning. But I will say this, that he was getting ready to bring judgment. He was getting ready to bring a flood upon the earth, and he had a specific way that he wanted Noah to build the ark. Because the flood that was coming, there was only one way that they were going to escape that judgment, and it was by God's design, nobody else's design. In other words, it wasn't man's idea. It wasn't Noah's idea. I mean, Noah was not the guy that gets the word that God is fixing to destroy the earth in judgment. And he says, you know, how are you going to do that, Lord? Well, I'm going to do that by water. I'm going to flood the earth. And, and Noah says, great. I've got a wonderful concept. I am going to build an airplane. No. I'm going to build a John boat. No. God says, I have a specific plan that you must follow to the detail because any deviation from that detail, your vessel will be destroyed by the flood. You grab that? Do you see why God lists that in such detail? And, and listen, we don't, we don't have the time this morning to un unpack all the specific details. I just want to talk about three that are very important for us this morning to see. But the main thing I want you to know is that it's God who initiates the plan by informing Noah. Go back to the message and see the mercy and grace. Man, if you're sitting here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ... Listen, it is the message, the same message that goes out to you this morning that God initiates and says there is one way to escape the coming judgment. He didn't have to tell you that, but he brought you here to hear that. So that you would know you can't escape what is to come. Listen, the ark is not some vague or abstract concept. The Lord goes into great detail again of how it was to be built. And it's right here that I want to focus on a few of those details. First, the design for the ark, again, was the only design that could carry Noah and his family through the coming judgment of God. Perhaps there were those who mocked Noah. Sure there were. As he worked day in and day out. And people would say, what a fool. It's ridiculous. Look at the waste of that wood. You're telling me that you're gonna, God's going to bring animals here? You're telling me there's going to be a judgment? Come on, man. Get with it, Noah. And I, I would not be surprised at all, the, script, the text doesn't tell us it, but just knowing the basics of humanity, that there would be people who would be out there mocking him and maybe even making little fake-looking arcs and saying, oh, Noah, look at my ark. I'm going to get in that, and I'm going to escape the judgment. And Noah just continues on and saying, no, listen, guys, man, God's not one to be mocked. Oh, listen, this ark is going to be big enough. It's going to be big enough. It's going to be sufficient for you to come into. And people continued on their way, and Noah continued preaching and building the ark. Maybe they mocked him, like I said, as he preached and as he built, making pseudo-arks. Perhaps when the water began to rise, they looked at that and said, man, Let's go ahead and build our own ark. Maybe there is something to this. 
Maybe we'll build our own little canoe that we can get into. We don't want to get into that one, but we'll make our own. Maybe as the water began to rise, that vessel began to float. And they all got into it. However, God's judgment was so overwhelming that the only thing that they could survive in was to enter the vessel that he designed. The vessel he designed to protect them against that day. By the way, if you run across the term that day in your Bible, it refers to judgment. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation found in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you see the correlation between the ark and Christ? You see, God says there's only one way that you're going to escape. And that is to get in this ark. That is the only way that mankind will escape the coming judgment. And the scripture again says there is no other name whereby men may be saved except for the name of Christ. Consider this. Consider that the ark was sealed from the inside and from the outside. Consider that the ark was sealed to keep all that were inside safe from the onslaught of God's terrible judgment. Consider this, in Christ we are sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. Consider that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. I was just reading through that and saying, why would the Lord say, I want you to seal the outside with pitch, and I want you to seal the inside with pitch. Folks, it's because once they were in the ark, they were safe. There was not going to be one bit of God's judgment that entered into the ark. And again, the, the means of that judgment was water. No water entered the ark in order to bring judgment in the ark. Those who were in the ark were safe, were sealed from the outside judgment of God. Amen. And if you're a follower of Christ this morning, according to Ephesians, that you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. That you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And you're talking about a message of, of uh, God's salvation and, and sanctification and a message of eternal security. This is it. Consider that the ark had but one door. Isn't that amazing? Or multiple doors? One door. God told him exactly where to put it. You'll have this one door right here. Only one way into the ark. And it was through that one door. God's design. And in the same way, there is only one way to escape the coming judgment of God. And it is through Jesus Christ. Not sure about that? Turn over to John. Gospel of John, chapter 10. Just to read a couple of scriptures to you to confirm by the witness of the scripture. John chapter 10, verse 1. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. What's this door? Coming in by any other door, he says, that is a thief and a robber. Look at verse 7 of that same chapter. Jesus then said, Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And then verse 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, he's talking about the doorway for the sheep to come in and out. But what I'm trying to get across to you is just as God has one way of entering into the ark, there is only one way for a man to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. No other way. No apologies for that. Unashamedly speak that because it is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. One way. Isn't it amazing that the Lord, when he said this to the religious leaders, he says, if you believed Moses, you would have believed in me because Moses wrote of me. Yes. He says, I'm the door. You see, if you're here this morning and you're trying to get to God through religion, if you're trying to get to God through church attendance, if you're trying to get to God through good deeds, if you're trying to get to God in any way other than the door, it is a hopeless and futile attempt for you to be forgiven and to escape the coming judgment. And I don't want you to miss that this morning. You see, it is the judgment of God that is coming. No one will escape. That was the point that Peter was making in chapter 3. He says these scoffers are saying, oh, he, he said he's going to come, you know, and, and he's been saying that forever. Friend, I'm telling you, we are closer than you think. I promise you that. The hour is near. One door that was there. But not only was there one door, consider that there was one window in it as well. Now, Ann and I have had the occasion to go on a couple of cruises. All of them we've enjoyed, I think. I, put, I think I think one time that the motion sickness was a little heavy. I mean, when you're, you know, rolling back and forth trying to get to your table. <laughs> you know, it really does great for doing away with the appetite. But we were able to look out and see the beauty and expanse of the ocean. Can you imagine being inside that vessel? One door, one window. And it's unique that where the Lord says, here's where I want you to put the window. I want it right at the top. One window at the top. And that one window only allows them to look up and not out. Not good. Can I tell you something this morning that God's people need to be looking up? They don't need to be looking out. We need to be looking up to our Redeemer. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 21, 28 says this Look up and lift your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, saints, that, like I said, we are closer than we think. 
And just like it would be foolish to ignore the fact that there has been a flood, I think it is foolish to ignore the fact that this world is winding down. Now, you can fall into the category of 2 Peter 3 and say, oh, they've been saying that forever. My friend, one of these days, just as the scripture says, that person that says, oh, I've been hearing this forever, that this Jesus is going to come back, yeah, whatever. And friends, the Bible says he's going to come as a thief in the night. The hour you least expected. You see, that window that we look up to is Christ. It's a picture of him. From the same place that judgment came, redemption comes. Let me give you the third point. Go back to Genesis chapter 7, if you would. There's a call for you to enter the ark. Chapter 7 and verse 1 says this. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house unto the ark, for thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. Look at verse 7. And Noah went in and all his sons and his wife and his sons and his wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Look at verse 15. And Noah went in into the ark. And they went into, um, pardon me, and they went in unto Noah into the ark. Two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. God's call to enter the ark. The Lord initiates the call. Was it Noah's idea? It's God's idea. God tells him in verse 1, enter in, come in. Why did he tell him to come in? Because judgment was at the door. Judgment was coming. And he says, enter into the ark. God calls men to repent and turn to Christ just as he told Noah to enter into the ark. Once inside the ark, God shuts the door. Look at verse 16. And he says, And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh, and God, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. And friend, when God closed the door, there was no opening of the door. Amen. I'm going to tell you, that's a good message for us because it's eternal security. But let me tell you, it's also a bad message. Here's the finality of the situation. You know, we sometimes, we think of Noah's Ark and we go back to the nursery and we see the cute little giraffes with their heads poked up out of the, you know, the top. That's a really bad idea. Because the whole issue of this historical account is God's judgment. 
rather than thinking of the giraffes, little heads poking out and the rhinoceroses and the elephants and everybody looking happy, which is cool for nursery stuff, you know, I get it. We don't, we don't want to totally freak out, you know, little bitty kids. But can I tell you the truth that we do need to tell them some truth about it? I want you to know when that door shut and you can hear the slam of that door and the rains begin to come down and the fountains of the deep break open and water begins to surge across the face of the earth. Can you imagine the people who had mocked him, who had maybe built their little pseudo vessels who ran to them and tried to get in only to have them fill with water and collapse? Can you imagine for a moment the people that would be pounding on the side of that ark, screaming and begging and saying, oh, Noah, let us in. Can you imagine the broke off fingernails in the side of that ark as people would scream? Can you imagine the murders that would go on of people just trying to get to the door, murdering others trying to get there? Can you imagine the stench that would be there after days of bloated bodies floating on a sea? of water because God says my judgment is certain can you imagine the screams of the lost stepping into an eternal hell because they refuse to listen to the preaching of a man of righteousness And yet, that's where we stand. That we proclaim the message. We go to our communities and say, there is a day of judgment that is coming. And people say, whatever. Whatever. I've heard that all my life. I'm going to tell you what, all you got to do is go to Red Butte. Crawl up on the top and pick up a shark's tooth and it's the evidence for you. Pick up any reliable science book and pick it up and say the world has been flooded. There's your evidence. There's the absolute surety that God is going to judge this earth. And you say, well, I got plenty of time. You don't know. You see, there were those who were just walking along going, oh, there he is again. I mean, the thing's done. And all of a sudden, Noah walks in. He looks out. And with the nudge of the spirit, he's pushed back inside the door. And the hand of the living God, boom, closes that door. You see, friend, there is a point that God says, enough. Enough. And if we think that God winks at our sinfulness, you are a fool. The Bible says that a fool says in his heart there is no God. And when people live in sin, they are proclaiming they don't believe there's a God. And God says there will be a day of judgment. It's coming. But I want you to know about those that are in the ark. I want you to know that it's a picture of salvation from sin. You see, they were saved from the penalty of sin, right? All those on, out, on the outside of the ark, they suffered the penalty of their sin. 
They were destroyed in God's judgment. They were saved from the power of sin. And you say, well, how is that? You know, well, because God shut them inside that ark. They were sealed and the power of sin that was on the outside of that ark had no power over them. And they're really ultimately saved from the presence of sin because of everything that was going on out there. And again, I just want you to try and imagine just for a moment the panic and the chaos and the absolute frustration. Of knowing that you just passed up the only opportunity to be saved. See, Christ is clear out of the Old Testament. God made Jesus to be our offering. God made Christ to be our refuge. You'll remember that I quoted Dr. Ketchum and he says, even can you not feel the hot breath of the avenger on your cheek even now? Flee. To that refuge. If you're here and you're lost this morning, you've never accepted Christ, can I tell you, can you hear the rumblings of an angry God? Sometimes I think that we just see Jesus as this just kind, soft-hearted, flannel graph, the old things we used to have in the Sunday school. Let me tell you what, he is that, but he is the God of judgment as well. And he says that there is a day coming. And that day may be today for you. It should be a message for us as believers. We should rejoice in the fact that we have a Savior. Oh, aren't you glad today that you are in the ark and you are safe? And nothing can break through that seal to take you out. When God closes that door, you are safe. But my friend, do not wait until judgment comes because once that day comes the door is shut and you will not see it open again and for that person who thinks oh I'll get it right one of these days probably not and to spend eternity separated from God separated from everybody total isolation with only you and your thoughts to know for all eternity I turned him down to the greatest tragedy of hell. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. I pray, Father, this morning that you, by your infinite mercy, your awesome word, that you, almighty God, would quicken men and women's hearts this morning. In your mercy and in your grace, grant repentance, we pray, Lord, that they would turn to you, that they would enter into the ark, that they would save from the coming judgment. And Father, for us who are followers of you, God, we pray that we would be diligent preachers of righteousness, 
proclaiming that there is a day that is coming. Warning men and women to turn and flee to you, our ark, our safety, our salvation. We thank you this morning, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.